When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood joining you this morning to talk fishing, boating and all things outdoors. You can follow us on Facebook on our Real Adventures Facebook page as well as Instagram. Redmond. Patrick, a little bit of a sad morning this morning. Very sad morning. Well, sad, week. sad week, we should yep. say. Uh, Holden, established in Australia in 1948, are now shutting their doors at the end of 2020. Your take? Uh, it is. It's a very sad day. I suppose manufacturing in Australia, it's been a very difficult few years. Uh, they ceased manufacturing in Australia three years ago and fought around the same mark. Uh, but... You know, for you know, I always think back to the supercars and think of Ford and Holden racing each other by, um, you know, with the the XR sixes and XR eights <laughs> and the uh, Commodores built in Australia, and it's disappointing to see that that go. But it sort of begs the question: What's been your now that it is it is finishing up? What's been your favourite Holden over the journey? Has every human being in Australia owned? A Holden at I, some point. <laughs> I think they definitely have. I had the uh, the old silver rocket, uh, silver jet. We used to call it silver jet. It was, what a, was it? I think it was an SV six. SV six. I had a uh, two thousand and two Holden Calais. It was my second Calais? car. Yeah, a beautiful car. It was like the just the high luxury. It was a cracker. I, even the I used to run out of fuel a bit because <laughs> the, the fuel gauge didn't quite work. So I did run out of fuel a few times and left my well, partner at the time. Now my wife Mards. Stranded as a 19-year-old in Adelaide for the first time. <laughs> Things ran out of fuel and I was away on an interstate trip. That didn't go down super well. But Well, I'm pretty sure my, my one lost its exhaust after... <laughs> 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 I'm not sure if that was still hanging on at the end of the... It used to tow the boat around. It used to get Dad's boat from A to B and it was... I think it was a 2001 model. Speaking her. of towing the boat, obviously the Holden Colorado, which is their... their um, you know, avenue in the in the Ute market within Australia, which has been a pretty popular popular car. I think it was the fifteenth most popular in Australia um, last year. Sold seventeen thousand units, so it's been a, a pretty good seller. Uh, that ceases production as well when when they were sort of asked around the you know why the reasons they're they're no longer focused. why why are they no longer well it's just the, the commercial viability about building them where they currently construct them so. Um, GM, who is the the overarching, um, you know, controller, um, they've obviously found it's far too um, expensive to keep producing them in the facility in Thailand. So they've solved that. Great Walls actually bought it. So from all reports, they're they're entering the Ute market in a bigger capacity than what we've seen previously. So we do lose one sort of iconic car. Mm. Obviously, was the Rodeo. Now the Colorado has been a pretty good. Um, you know, what happened? Towing what happened, vehicle. What happens to the V eight supercars now? Because it's Ford versus Holden. Well, there's, there's sort of it's run its course in terms of Commodores. They don't run Commodores anymore, to my 
knowledge. Your car knowledge is about as good as mine as well. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> well, I know watching the Fords, it's now Mustangs and there's a whole lot of yeah, different, right, yeah. um, different brand models of cars that are actually in there. So, yeah. Like Goodbye, said, if, if you're going to ask me when it comes to, yeah. uh, to, to car racing, you're the wrong yeah, person. But it, well. it is very, very sad. Um, but let's get into fishing and your week in fishing, Redmond, because you sort of you posted a few provocative uh, messages during the week. Kingfish well, and you. tuna in the same. Yeah, <laughs> you sent them to me. Kingfish and tuna in the same photo. It's obviously been pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, wind was a bit tougher in the middle of the week there, but it was a nice start to the week, especially on Monday when I shot out. Predicted to be a pretty strong easterly, and I compared to the, the sympnotic charts, which is basically, a, well, it's your wind, your pressure systems, it's your wind, you can work your wind off by using your sympnotic charts, and I sort of found a patch of, well, I thought that outside the head was going to be beautiful to fish, and sure enough, it was perfect, and I travelled 40 kilometres, <laughs> 40 kilometres for no fish, and I'm not exaggerating, no so I thought fish. So thought you'd escape the, well, uh, the crowds? I was a yep. smart butt during the week last week, and... Messaged you and said, I've found a patch of fish all by myself. Not telling no one. Not even the members of Salt Guide. I'm telling no one. This is on the weekend. And uh, last week, and I went out there to try and have tuna to myself, and there was no tuna for myself. It was so They were you, gone. You got, you got lucky that one <laughs> I got day. very lucky. I thought they were going to be there because everything was there. And I spent a long time there. So I come back towards the heads there, and on the western side, Point Lonsdale side, we're just in there. And when I say acres of tuna... I drove over in the morning time. <laughs> they were there in the morning, I'm tipping. But the good thing is, amongst those tuna, and I think what's happening, Pat, in our waterway at the moment especially, is that every other species is getting left behind. So your whiting, for example, left behind. No, Everyone's just focusing on, on tuna. tuna. Yeah. Yep. Not kingfish are well and true. Everyone goes, oh, it's crap kingfish season this season. I'm like, have you chased them? Or... Not really. <laughs> no one's chased them. So that's why it's a crap year because no one, the people just aren't targeting, which I don't mind. I think it's a good thing. It lets them have a bit of a rest for a year. It might be good for the future. I'm not sure. It's incredible variety that we currently oh, have. Like like a, it is brilliant. The snapper out of Mornington right now is going terrific. Like some really, really good snapper being caught and as good as it was in snapper season. That water temp's not far off tapering, tapering back down now, Pat. And we like to say... It is as good as snapper season when it drops back down to that magic 16, 17 degrees as yep. it is at the start of the season. So though everything's getting left a bit behind. I can understand why it is exciting that these 30-plus kilo bluefish at times are in our waterways, accessible, so easy to a trailer boat access. Like you're travelling, well, today, oh, sorry, on during the week, I was only travelling maybe off the 300 metres from the rip. Is that right? <laughs> Literally yeah. just outside the rip, just outside the marine park there. And uh, we're in about 20 metres of water. And there was just that many tuna. But amongst the tuna, when I let that soft plastic sink nice and deep through them, trying to catch the tuna, the kingfish were taking them nearly every second cast. It was They were that thick. And obviously, once you get one kingfish, you tend to catch another 10 or so at the same time. So it was the matter of... It really stirs what, them up and gets them going, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And you just got to keep them going. Don't bring it out of the water. So... Everything's fishing really, really well uh, right on the coast. It's good to see Portland area into South Australia. Some really good uh, tuna reports as well. It's funny enough, when you and I sat at the Alban Glashen documentary a few months back, saying, well, what was the number? I think it was like 6%. Was it 6% or 9%? Of what it got down to. Well, yeah, what is it? Now, isn't it what it is now? It was down to 4 yeah, and it's slowly, yeah, it's slowly, so slowly it's, pushing up around then, that 14%. I think so it is. it's 14%. So that's what I'm, think about when in... 
it's a few years it's come to that. Think about in a few years' time. When well, what's going to happen? And we're going to see these tuna in these areas in such big numbers as well because they are right along the whole southern, like South Victorian coast right now. Like what I mean by that is, I'm talking Portland, past Portland, even South Australia, right down to nearly bloody Mallacoota. So yeah. that is acres on acres of of school tuna at the minute. So how long are they going to hang around for? Oh, because they're a, not affected by. If I had a dollar for every time I've been asked that, I would be a, I wouldn't be sitting here now doing it with you. I'd be a very rich man. <laughs> doing I don't know. I really don't. There's no reason for him to be here. To be honest, as bad like. What I mean by that is they're interesting. No, but there's nothing different to last year or the year before. So what's happened? Like, there's no. I I haven't noticed anything. The bait's the same. Everything's very similar. Yeah, we were talking about walls of bait last season. Literally, like it was bait. Well, what's changed? Like, what's the reason? What I mean by that, as in, as an angler, you try and work out. You go fishing when you catch fish. It's easy. It's when you don't catch fish is when you want to work out why something isn't here. Now, when the when the tuna aren't here. You say to yourself, well, they're not here because we don't have the bait stocks or the ocean current isn't here. Yep. To tell you the truth, the ocean currents that are pushed down hasn't been massive in our favour. They've been okay ones at times wrapping around the Cape Otway, but not enough, for I don't think, for what we've seen. So, yeah, everything's going really well for them, for the tuna. It's great to see the hard work that people are putting into it. But I can just say one thing about these tuna. When you're chasing them, Pat, I know you and I have changed uh, our lures or bungee casts, whatever we're using, can you please change them to trebles, uh, your, your hooks? The reason I'm saying... Uh, sorry, change your, change your trebles. Get rid of your trebles yep. and let's get the some singles. single hooks on. Yep. Just I'm watching people say they're releasing fish, and which is great to see, but they've taken a deep diver and they've copped six hooks in its face yep. and there's blood everywhere. Fish has gotten pretty much no chance and not going to release very well. So if you can... Change to if you're going to keep the fish, yeah, or go but, for it. But people are they have this um, misconception at times that trebles are they're going to it's a greater chance of actually hooking up, yeah, which you don't subscribe no, to that I, theory. I don't know, I, I believe they work against each other, yep. And now, what I mean with there is when you hook a fish through one side of the fish's mouth, and then you've got the treble sticking out the other and it gets the bottom lip, it's pulling which one's actually pulling the tension. Can it pull either either out at times? Not only that, is they're bloody dangerous, as the GT Buster found out a few months ago. I don't know if you've seen that, our yeah, friend of the show. Caught one bad. in his leg. Yep. But, yeah, they're da- they can be dangerous. Uh, you can stand on them as well. Uh, and you get three of them in your foot, you're basically getting surgery because it's not coming out. But you're ripping the fishes. And you're destroying the fish, yeah. Yep. Literally destroying the fish. But on a positive note as well, how cool is this? Did you see during the week? The bass? Yes, I did see. This, this is quite extraordinary. It is. So there's I, been a, uh, a Japanese sea bass caught in the Hunter River. Well, oh, there's two bass stories. You keep going. Well, what, oh, you're going to talk about the, uh, the, the, the other bass. No, you go. You no, go with that one. I was excited to see that there's been a... Well, it's not a... I don't know whether it's a good thing. Following scripts today. There's been, <laughs> there's been a Japanese sea bass caught in the Hunter River. And this thing was, this thing was 80, 90 centimetres. So it what is huge. it? Well, where do they come from? Uh, well, the Japanese sea bass, funnily enough, it comes from Japan. Oh, um, not China? Which, which might surprise a few. Uh, no, it has come from <laughs> Japan. And what they've said is it's obviously been caught in um, a ship's ballast when it, the ship picks up water. They obviously want to travel lower with a lower centre of gravity so they don't move as much. And then they release that ballast yeah. once they get into Australian waters. And they think they must have, um, must have been... Sucked up in that, and then it's been released. Now they're a bit unsure whether this is a a breeding population or whether it's just been 
by chance. By chance, exactly right. But um, Newcastle under Ben Hall captured like trophy size um, on fly. So that was on a fly. unreal to see. Yeah, it's quite extraordinary. But sorry, your story when it comes to bass. This is even is, cooler, I reckon. I absolutely agree. The bass, what you've always wanted to catch these. You love these fish. I do. I'll, they're beautiful fish, incredibly aggressive. You see them in. Well, American bass, you see them over in the States and they, they're they eating people's thumbs. Like well, they're just a brilliant fish. And we've got them in Australia that are apparently more aggressive. They say they, they say they are more aggressive, especially on the surface there. So 20th of January, Patrick, what were you doing in 1994? Uh, I was four years old, not doing a huge Not, not doing a lot. Well, there was a bass tagged on that day that was 26.5 centimetres at Reynolds Creek and it has just been recaptured as of last week. 9,507 days later in Tinalpa Creek. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm not sure you're telling this yeah, story. Tinalpa Creek at 39 <laughs> centimetres. If you say it quickly, it just sounds like you know what you're talking about. I won't ask that then next time. <laughs> at, it was 39. And this is, this is another interesting fact too. So it's gone from 26 to 39 centimetres, say. Yep. 26, years la- 26 years later, 190 kilometres journey. Travelled. Travelled through the Bem River. It's gone through all sorts of places. But what That's I find more extraordinary is 26.5 centimetres to 39 in 26 years. Yep. That's it's, a, it's a bit around when people keep 40 centimetre brim. That's I, what, I just, that's, I just yeah. don't like it. And, you know, you've copped it before for keeping really big tuna and, and really big um, marlin. But you can catch a marlin that's three years old that's half, oh, the, that's length, right. half the length of the boat. And you're spot on. People, <laughs> people get criticised. Like, like yeah. I'm going to kill you if you're keeping that marlin. But you catch you- a brim that's 40 centimetres. It's actually 15 years old and or 20 it, years old. And it feeds half a person. Exactly. And a marlin, you can feed a whole tribe. So there's different, yeah, different outlooks everyone has. But I just want to mention before you do wrap this segment up, I'll do, I'm going to a couple of, couple of mentions here, Patrick. Lake Tyres right now, flathead fishing. I know you've got a relative down there. Fishing extremely, extremely well at the moment. Big flatties down Lake Ties in there, up to it a metre. Is, yep. And then absolutely. you've also, just want to mention the comp that I'm like We're talking metre plus. Yeah, like beautiful huge fish. Huge fish, yep. I just want to mention as well, uh, we want to support the East Coast as much as we possibly absolutely can, we as well as into Mallacoota and the other areas that were affected by the bush, bushfires. But the fishing comp, I've done this comp that I'm about to mention. It's the Eden Amateur Comp. I've done this comp every year for the last... Years and years and years and you years. You do years. talk I, about it often. I love it's this comp. Favorites. It's why Eden's my fa- one of my reasons. Eden is my favorite place. It's going from the seventeenth, uh, sorry, seventh to the fourteenth of March. It's a week comp. The reason this comp is so good is, like I said, it's an amateur comp. You're not fishing the blue water classics or anything along the lines like that. You're specifically going up there. It's an amateur comp. I think there's twenty odd species of fish, twenty four maybe. One's a slimy mackerel. One's a perfect, brim. Perfect. <laughs> one's a, one's a flathead, gummy shark, kingfish, and I'm just Trevally, Benito. So everyone and Marlin. can get involved. In yep. It. And yep. it's equal prize money. So we were fortunate enough to win the Marlin again last year. We've won it a few times. I got we got four hundred bucks for the prize for that. So did the person that caught the slimy mackerel. They got a four hundred dollar prize too. This is for the this is in the male section. There's a ladies section and a junior section too. So it counters for everyone. You've got kids getting included. Um, you've got uh, ladies getting included as well and males. Everyone's included. Brilliant. It's a ripping competition. On the Saturday, on when they do the awards, you get down there, you have beers, it's kickback, they've got the presentation. It's a really, really good time. And I think this year, 
If you've been contemplating going, you've seen my post over More the years. important than ever. Yeah, more important this year. Let's get down to Eden. We've got Jace down in the Holiday Village down there. You've got the other caravan parks. Get down there and support everyone because this comp is a cracker. It's not much to enter it. It might be 50 or 60 bucks to enter for the whole week. Yep. It's not much. Spent- for the amount of fun that you're going to oh, have... And- communities that you're supporting Raffles. and how much it means to their local yep. economy. If you've got anything to donate as well for the prizes, give them a call down there and help them out. But like I said, get down there between the 7th and the 14th and I'll be down there hopefully catching a couple of beaked face fish. Beautiful work. Redman, this is Real Adventures. Plenty more to come after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for The Social Club. Make sure you give us a follow on our Real Adventures Facebook and Instagram page. Redmond. Patrick, first up, question from Tim to yourself. When are we going to see the Maxi Outboards in Australia? Well, we we currently see Maxi Outboards in Australia. And obviously, when we're talking Maxi Outboards, Redmond, we're talking sort of 400 horsepower plus. We've seen them. Oh, those little um, ones. Yeah, those little ones. Yep. We've seen those in Yamaha, their 425, Mercury, obviously, with their racing 450, um, and 7 um, seven Marine in the United States, which I think there's actually a few, few dealers in Australia. The interesting one with 7 Marine, um, they're obviously significantly bigger than both the Yamaha and the um, the Mercury Rangers. You know, they, they roll out three different models, 527, 577, and 627 horsepower ranges, uh, respectively. But they've recently been acquired by Volvo Penta, and Volvo Penta have actually just um, kicked off production of what is now the world's most powerful outboard. So I think we'll see very, very soon Volvo um, branding on the, the outside of an outboard. So obviously Volvo Penta, really well-renowned for the magnificent inboards in yep. that they do. But now what we're going to see with their, their outboards which are currently branded as 7 Marine. They purchased, purchased it. But the integration of all the, the electronics that Volvo have, that'll now be you know readily available through 7 Marine. Big so, diesel outboards? <laughs> well, we have seen diesel outboards. The, pro- the problem we have, we have the, the problem with 7s have always been the fact that they're so heavy. They're a really heavy outboard compared to what Mercury produced, what Yamaha produced. And even Yamaha's is a really heavy outboard as well. Um, and also, just the amount of outboards that they actually import into Australia, it's not many. So what it means is the cost that you have for them is just enormous compared to what a 450 racing Mercury would be or a, you know, a Yamaha 425, which I still think are around the 60 grand mark from, from memory. Slow so, money, no? you know, when are we going to see them? We're going to start to see them more and more. Um, the more that are imported in, into Australia, the more people that buy them, the price point will come down. At the moment, clearly, there's not a huge market for it. You see in the Miami boat shows, you, you every know, second four, boat. five, six, seven, eight outboards on the back of a boat. That's that's not unnatural to see. We haven't seen as much in Australia. Um, How does that work? Waterways are a lot different compared to what we have in in Oz. I don't know a lot about the what you're speaking about there with the multiple engines on boats. How how does it work with transom and stuff? Like, well, just, we're talking about um, forty foot boats. Yeah, I understand that, but still, you've got it. You've still got five or six or nine 400 horsepower engines on the back. Like oh, you're talking, you, you've easily got two tonnes on the back of your, your so boat. That's, yeah. But so when I, you're talking 40 foot, obviously mm. the strength of their stringers and how they're designed, they're, yeah, they're designed specifically um, to hold that. Yeah. Obviously, if you've got an inboard, it's going to sit slightly, um, you know, uh, towards your, your, yeah, your bow. Yep. Um, 
But still, I think we're going to see them. Just a lot of weight when you think about it. Like it's just absolutely. But in terms of ease of um, servicing compared to inboards, like it's so much easier. So I think we're going to see them more and more as that price point comes down. We'll see them more and more, um, and we'll see them on bigger boats within our shores. Uh, Gary, Gary, yep. Uh, question for you, Redmond. When you got the Kings, what methods were you using, and did you change them once you got onto the uh, yellowfin? Yellowfin, the tr- oh the the kingfish, the kingfish. Gotcha. So under the tuna. This is a uh, a tweet. It's coming right. live. Righto, Red. You got okay. Uh, not telling him. <laughs> <laughs> no. So there's a these tuna that we we're chasing. The Kings were underneath them, and we'll let our plastic sink down through the tuna for hoping the tuna ate them. And the kingfish were that thick underneath them, they were just taking the plastics. But the method you can use as well, if you wanted to not catch the tuna and target more of the kingfish, you can drift through the schools, turn your engine off. I like the engine being silent. Yep. I think it makes that bit of a difference. Drift through them. And on your sonar, they mark up completely different, your uh, kingfish and your tuna. So your tuna are a very dense red, and I've got my colour gain up high. And I spoke about it on last week's show, so check it out on the podcast if you do want to hear how we spoke about upping your colour gain. So basically, I'm marking up the kingfish under the tuna and just jigging them as well. So trying to get the plastic through the tuna, which they're not feeding super hard, there's no drama at the minute. Are you bringing it right back up to the boat? or you As jug- fast as I can. Yep. Uh, because they're not eating it when it's slow, because they're a reactive fish a lot of the time. And sometimes on the, on the drop, they'll take it down. Uh, the other day, I was fortunate enough that they were thick, so they were taking them on the way down. But uh, I think at the end of the week when we got them, it was literally, you had to wind quick because they wouldn't, they wouldn't touch it otherwise. Yep. Even the micro jigs, I had slow pitch micro jigging that weren't working well being pitched slow. I just cranked it a bit faster and they reacted to that really quickly. And once you get that one Ninja Turtle to react, the old, uh, I love the, how cool is the band around their eyes? When they yep. light up yes, there, yes, when you see yes. them lit up, you know they're on. So they light up and you're going to have a bit of fun catching them because you drift with the school, the tuna will keep moving as they do. The kingfish will follow you. And you can keep using all sorts of methods. Squid strips will work really, really well. Plastics, whatever it is, you should have no drama getting yourself some kings under the tuna throughout the whole coast, not just where I was talking about behind the heads there. Last question, Patrick? Uh, from Pete, is one kilowatt transducer worth the extra spend? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Uh, yeah, snapper, tuna, kingfish. The pitcher quality is second to none. You never doubt yourself. Uh, so if you had a... Incredibly tight budget. Yep. And the, or just a budget, not incredibly tight, but the difference between 12 the inch, is yelling at you. 10 <laughs> inch screen, 12 inch screen, 16, you had to go, you would focus on that transducer and go the smaller screen to get the, the quality and I reckon I would. Produces. I reckon I would, yeah. Yep. As long as the unit itself supported it, yep. Uh, you need to do, you do need to check that. But as long as it supported it, uh, any one kilowatt transducer will be. The picture from them these days, you can go right up to three kilowatts for certain methods, deep dropping and along the likes, but the quality you'll get out of your one kilowatt, your arches, your nice, nice picture, just like is going to be a lot better than a 600. But in saying that, I probably wouldn't have it if I was a specific, say, bay fisherman. So if I didn't go offshore and chase any pelagics or anything like that, yep. I'd probably more maybe just say, yeah, you get away with the 600. But the snapper readings we get, you just got, you know what it does? It gives you confidence in yourself to actually be like, all right, yep, that's definitely fish or this is definitely where I want to be. So, yeah, I would definitely get a one kilowatt transducer if you're fishing shallow water. That wraps up our social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures 
Facebook or Instagram page. It's time for our dream boating destinations. And our dream boating destinations, thanks to Club Marine. Ensure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Our dream boating destination this morning is Arno Bay in South Australia, a small coastal town heavily reliant on tourism on the east coast of the Air Peninsula in South Australia. Clearly, Redmond, one of our favourite uh, destinations, well, lies um, roughly halfway between Wyala uh, and Port Lincoln. If I was say to you right now, Arno Bay, what do you do what comes to your head? Uh, I would have said Snapper. You'd say Snapper. Yep. It, it is very Having renowned. Having been there before with uh, with Shane Mensforth. Oh, you have been there? A few, few uh, SA icons in the uh, fishing fraternity. It is a place that is probably the home whaler as well. They're all the home of Big Snapper. Yep. Big, big snapper in the country of Australia. Like Literally, it's just a place where you get 14, 15 kilo fish. Unfortunately, due to the closure... A few uh, dodgy uh, man-made reefs out there. Oh, as, no, as no as one well. would do that. <laughs> but they, um, obviously, it's been closed. Snapper's been closed. Yep. And it's been very hard for these charter guys to run their businesses... Uh, throughout Arno Bay and right along the South Australia coast because of the snapper banners, it's probably the biggest market going around like it is here in Victoria. So it's very much a transitional period at the moment for uh, for recreational fishing and commercial fishing uh, yeah, it is. in the region because of that enormous change. It is, and I just want to say that it's still an awesome place to go fishing. Now, I know right now that the bite over there on the tuna, they've been a little bit hard at times, same as they have been in Victoria on the surface, but there are so many tuna there. You've got to sometimes work to get your, to get your fish, but they are in plague proportions once again. Some really quality fish there. But something that I've always wanted to catch when I was a bit younger was Samson fish, which was my one fish I wanted to catch. That I, They are biting their heads off. Lures, jigs, live baits. Dead baits, whatever it is, out of Arno Bay, the charter boy, charter boys there, Arno Bay Fishing Adventures, have been catching play Brackets, proportions yeah. of Samson fish. Good thing about Samson fish, they are not a seriously strong fighting fish. They yeah, they you, pull you, hard. You can get a great fish, yes, but yes. you get it at the start. They're not like it. that's exactly right. They're not like your kingfish. They literally they pull hard, but they sort of give up, and you're like, oh, it's a bit of a relief. And in saying the kingfish, there are some really quality kingfish being caught throughout that area where they're getting these Samsa fish and the tuna. So just keep in your head, if you want to catch some awesome fish, head down to Arno Bay. And Patrick, where is it? Uh, well, how many yeah, kilometres from Melbourne? I'm not sure. In the car? I know. 400 odd k's, I dare say. It is so far because you think you're there and you're not there. Once you hit that Adelaide, you think you're there and it's not there. So catch a plane and go out with Arno Fishing Adventures because it will save you a massive trip when you get down there. Uh, 400 odd k's, that's okay. Uh, If you are looking uh, to travel to Arno Bay, uh, the the place to stay that we would recommend would be the Arno Bay Caravan Park. It's a couple of hundred metres away from the boat ramp which is a cracking boat ramp as well. So it's the easiest place when it comes to uh, to staying at Arno Bay, which is our dream boating destination for this morning. Club Marine is Australia's leading provider of insurance for boats and jet skis. And now you can win the dream with Club Marine. 
Club Marine members have the chance to win a share of over $260,000 in prizes, including a Ram 1500 Laramie pickup truck and a Northbank 600C boat and trailer package. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions apply. Call for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. New South Wales permit number LTPS 19 slash 33208. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard. Thanks to Dometic CIB 26 Cooler Bag. Keep food and drinks cool on your adventures. Our special guest this morning is the Managing Director of North Bank Boats, Rob Cumming. Good morning, Robbie. Hey, Paddy. G'day, Red. How are you going? Morning, Rob. Now, Rob, over the weekend, North Bank had their 11th uh, North Bank fishing competition held at the beautiful Wallaroo. Uh, you've been holding it there for a while now. How successful yeah. was it? Was it? And uh, a bit of a report on Ned McHenry, a young Adelaide rookie. He's obviously just picked up a new boat, and we're we're interested in how uh, young Ned went. Yeah, no dramas, mate. Well, yeah, you're right, Paddy. It was our 11th uh, North Bank Family Fishing Comp, proudly sponsored by Club Marine. And it was our 11th event held at the beautiful seaside town of Wallaroo on the York Peninsula. This year was our best year we've had, uh, I think, for seven years, mate. We had 29 vessels on the water on Sunday. We had to cancel Saturday due to weather. So we uh, quick ring around, mate, and everybody decided to fish on Sunday rather than Saturday. Uh, 90-odd competitors, mate, and... Had a beautiful dinner on Saturday night for everybody and 115 or 120 come for a meal as well on Saturday night. And the boys fished on Sunday and it was really good. Plenty of fish were caught. Um, a local Wallaroo team won the, won the comp, Team Frost. They were, they were greenhorns, mate, and uh, it was good for a rookie to take home the well, brownway, mate, as such, inside, I suppose, the Wallaroo comp. Inside knowledge, surely that's a bit of advantage. <laughs> Yeah, a couple of young fellas, mate, are pretty keen fish shows, and they showed up a couple of the old guys, mate, to pass winners, and it was a it was a great event, mate. Great, great family event. Heaps of kids. Uh, I think a record number of, of kids fish this year. I think it was eleven or twelve. And uh, no, the weather was fine, mate, on Sunday. Wouldn't have mattered in the North Bank, obviously, but um, <laughs> yeah, they all got back to the ramp safely and all weighed in on on Sunday afternoon. What take us through yes. the comp, Rob? Like what you said, it's a fishing comp. What I understand, fish need to be caught. But what do you? How do you win, yeah. and how does it work? Yeah, so we we have a few categories. Red, we have, um, and due to the snapper ban in South Australia now, so we had to switch our, our comp around, which was obviously a snapper based competition. So we uh, we have a champion team which has to catch all three species on the day, which is a whiting, uh, crab, and, and this year we had the southern marlin, the garfish. So yep. We we had to uh, they have to catch all three species to enter the champion trophy. And then we have a length competition for for whiting crab, and we had a mystery prize of a squid this year. There's nearly nearly twenty five thousand dollars worth of prizes, mate. So we handed a, a few bits and pieces, obviously, thanks to our fantastic sponsors. It was just a, a great event. And, but, uh, and you mentioned Ned McHenry earlier. Yes, how did Ned go? Yes, uh, young Ned. Uh, he was a rookie at this comp as well, but <laughs> he uh, did a bit of a chat on Saturday night dinner with. Um, he bring up his, his big mate Riley O'Brien with him. And the boys, uh, I spoke to him this afternoon, had to wake him up, as it turned out. He'd, he'd had a big day on the water. <laughs> I think that was the first trial game on that day, so they're a bit buggered, the fellas. But, yeah, he, he got a feed. That's all he put it as. So I assume he got one whiting, one crab, and one garfish by the sound Not of hungry. That. No. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's a, 
a heap of prizes, awesome effort by sponsors, but, but a lot of fish were caught, guys, you know. They, the guys who did the miles got the whiting, and uh, the guys who fished the bay got the garfish and the crabs, and there's plenty of fish out there at the moment. Rob, you spoke about it um, in answer to that last question. How has the snapper ban affected or if it has affected your business um, at North Bank? Because obviously there was a huge amount of controversy around it when it was first introduced. We've seen a, a relatively small sample size so far, um, but how has it affected the industry in South Australia? Uh, it, it's had a huge effect, Pat, and I hope you've got some uh, listening ears of an MP close by, mate, because <laughs> it has a, has had a real effect on retail. We're nearly, 20, I think nearly 22% down in our trading figures since the announcement of, of the snapper ban. So as, as, you know, as anybody knows, that, that's a big effect on business. I, I'd hate to see some of the, the downturns in the, in the local communities. I spoke to uh, young Johnny Penner, complete angler at Wallaroo. He, he had a similar number as us. But he said they were 25% down. You know, it's had a huge impact on, on marine and boating, fishing retailers in South Australia, yes. The, um, we were speaking about Arno Bay in our previous uh, category and talking just about what a wonderful fishery it is and how there, um, you know, there's other fish at the moment to be caught and this time of the year it is a, is a, it is a wonderful fishery. But obviously there's yeah. different locations around South Australia where primarily it's your snapper and whiting that are your, your, your meat and potatoes. Um, yeah, yeah. Clearly those are the towns that have really been hit hard. Yeah, I agree. And I, I drove back from Lincoln the other week, mate, and drove past Arno Bay and, and Port Neal. You know, um, Port Broughton, you know, Wiley to be the home of the big snapper. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Port Hughes, um, Wallaroo, like they, these seaside communities, mate, would, would be hurting, you know, mentally from, you know, travel dollars, I suppose. You know, guys going up there for the weekend with their mates or family. Yeah, it has had a bit of an effect, I think, on everybody. Rob, I don't want to scare you, and like you just said, but just around the corner, literally, is the Melbourne Boat Show. Which, yeah. <laughs> funny enough, we're already Pat and I are already in planning for that as well. And what's going to be new from the North Bank stand this year? Yeah, we've got some new products coming. We've got a, a modified seven and a half meter craft, so a six and six and a, six and a half and seven and a half meter boats. So, pardon me, at the top of the tree now, Red. There's lots of guys upgrading, you know, from smaller boats to bigger boats because they are having to go further or wide to chase tuna. And well, it's funny enough, Samsons and stuff like that. So. Funny enough, off air, Rob and I were speaking about, you weren't listening on this one, Pat, we're saying even down here in Victoria now, I was just saying that the amount of north banks we're seeing offshore, and they're not just your six-metre north banks, or your, they're, they're your big seven-plus-metre ones, Rob. They're, they're mm. literally everywhere now. And on the water, they look like a, what we saw on the weekend, Pat, or even uh, on the show. What was the show? Our last episode comes out tonight. Uh, on, it does. It yeah. does. And Road to Adventure, the uh, 750. Yeah, we took that up there, and just the way it looks on the water is a beautiful-looking boat, and I think you've done really well with the boys. That blue colour you're selling, Rob, I don't know what you've done there, but I've hung it up. It was, I wasn't sure about it at the start, but it's rubbed off on me now. Yeah, that's a secret squirrel colour for us, Brett, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's gone really well, the blue, and it, it, it's amazing that we'll, we'll make it a bit of our showpiece for Melbourne Boat Show coming up as well in 2020. Um, I don't think we'll have a 750 blue one there this year, but... That, that product's been taken to really well by our, our, our customer base and it's a pretty common colour when you go through the factory there this morning, mate. And there's lots of light blue boats happening. Rob, Maybe a few more up your fantastic TV show. Yeah, I reckon that's the reason. Uh, <laughs> Rob, it's a few months away, the boat show. Is uh, is my 750 going to be ready by the time that uh, the boat show's here? 
well, well, Pat, as you know, mate, you're only getting honest feedback from North Bank, and I'll say no. <laughs> you know, but you know what? It's not even Rob, it's not even Rob's building crew. It's probably because you haven't sent your list of what you want on the boat yet. I'm going to go with because it's a sizable list. <laughs> Rob, I'll send Red, that really list to you. I really appreciate your support. I'll I send really you this. I only want it because I, I, I wouldn't mind going out in here and there. I don't mind the North Bank. They're not a bad boat, Patrick. I want a 750. I'll take one of them too. Couple of twin uh, 200 Mercs. Hey, Rob, yeah. thank you very much for joining us this morning on Real Adventures and filling us in with the North Bank fishing boat competition. Uh, the 11th year it's been running. Uh, it's a beautiful boat. It's actually, um, at the moment, Redmond. You can win the dream with Club Marine. Well, it's a six-metre North Bank boat that you're winning as a part of that competition, so a beautiful craft and even more um, reason to get involved with that. Thanks for joining us, Rob. Absolute pleasure, guys. Anytime, and uh, hope you and your listeners have a great year. Take care. Rob Cumming, General Manager for North Bank Boats. That was all aboard for Dometic. Dometic, mobile living made easy. It's time for Red's Review. Redmond this week. Patrick, this week it is all about the stick faces, the marlin, because it's about to... We've had a slow start, bushfires, current, cyclone literally on the East Coast. It's been a wild ride for the East Coast. Floods, they've copped it. It's enough. We don't want to talk about that, though. We're going to talk about fishing now. Yep. What I think you need for the marlin is... Uh, here's a few things that I believe you need, is a must for the marlin. The if first, you're interested in getting into it. If yep. you're interested in targeting them. One thing I'll say is it does cost a little bit of money to go marlin fishing, but the good thing with it is it lasts. So... Everything you sort of get will get you through a period of time. Now, what I mean by that is like rip charts, you pay your yearly subscription. I think it's a must. That there will save you countless hours of driving around on the water and pinpoint you. For the money you're going to save in fuel by using the chart effectively to learning how to read it, you're going to cover the cost of whatever it is, 200 bucks a year. So in just fuel. So that there is going to pinpoint where the marlin are. Another must is outriggers. Outriggers you need because it will catch you a lot more fish. We run our 50s in uh, free spool mode and it runs out of your, your lacquer band or whatever you want to run off your outrigger, yep. which drops to a free falling, uh, it free falls to a marlin. And that way you can use circle hooks effectively to catch these fish and let them swim with it to set the hooks properly. I haven't got all day here. I'll go to the next one. You need a sonar. I could talk it for hours. A sonar is really important up there. Marking your bait up is is critical. You need to mark your bait, and also you need to mark your uh, you need to mark your fish up. Also, uh, twenty four kilo outfits. Let's be honest, that's going to cover everything. You get sharks with it, barrel bluefin tuna, marlin. Twenty four kilo outfits. You rod, your reel, your line class. That's done. Fluoro versus mono. Always have fluoro handy. You can run your two hundred pound leader on your marlin or your one hundred and fifty pound on your normal mono, but the fluoro can be the day it can be the day where fluoro gets you more bites. The reason for this fluorocarbon is a tougher leader, a leader trace, that you therefore can drop your line class. So you can go down to a hundred uh, to, to hundred and thirty pound even, hundred and twenty pound. So you can get lighter line class. So when you are live baiting, they look more natural in the water than what it is running thicker two hundred. So that I think you need fluoro. Wind on leaders, sorry I've run out of time here. Wind on leaders are really good, especially for the people who are learning. You can lead your fish up a little bit easier. Your wax thread and your needles, really important to stitching skip baits as well as stitching live baits through the nose. Circle hooks, I believe, is pretty much a must for marlin. Uh, I fish pretty much all circle hooks. Obviously not in lures, but I try to limit when I lure fish for marlin. Uh, if you are you're running circle uh, lures, run your SL12s, which are your very thin marlin hooks. You've got to run your drag back a little bit, but with striped marlin, the way they feed, you'll get a more effective bite. 
And just quickly, a bait jig as well. Bait jig is critical. Uh, you need to catch bait out there and you want to catch five or six at once. The reason this for this is purely you don't want to be winding up 160 metres with one bait, bait in the water. So a bait jig is critical, and I'm going to leave it at that because that's marlin fishing in a very quick wrap. Patrick? This is Real Adventures. Time for a break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. It's time for Red's tip for New Age Caravans, designed for the road ahead, Redmond. This week, Patrick, is coming off the back of what i seen this week and last week. People reversing around at boat ramps. You come off the trailer. It could be a uh, show in itself. It, and I don't know how many times I've got to say it is, when you back your boat off the trailer, you have your engine slightly up. As you fall off the trailer, are you listening? Fall off the trailer. Mm. The engine goes down as the nose flattens out to the water level. You with yes. me? Because you're sitting yep. on an angle. Yep. If you don't do that, in reverse, you have got no control. No capability I watched of two blokes reverse smack bang into the side of each other the other day, both trying to get out of the way and turning their steering wheel. But the prop is out of the water basically, <laughs> and it's just blowing water everywhere. At the ramp, if you want to, even when you're and a well designed ramp, that ramp angle continues well into the water, it does. so you're not yeah. going to hit your a lot of the time you're not your leg hit, no. on the on the ground, you're even not. if you went right down. No, you 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 won't. And yeah, I watch people try and park to, to piers and like. When I approach a pier, I come parallel, nearly parallel to the shore, slight angle. Uh, sorry, to the to the pier, and then I I in forward gear. Then I tap reverse and put the steering wheel towards the actual pier itself to to stop me and straighten me up. You can't do that if your engine's out of the water because you're not going to have any grip or grab. Yep. The best thing when you are driving a boat, you've actually got a lot more control in reverse than you do in forward, Pat. Now, you can drive off piers, you can drive off everything in reverse and not hit. Yep. So if I'm parked on a pier and I've got the wind holding me onto the pier, I reverse left-hand down off that pier and I do a spin and then off I go 180 out the other way. Where if you were to do that in forward, you can't do it because the engine's at the back of the boat and pushes you. So the back of the boat, you've got more control, more steering, but only if your engine is in the water. There's no good of it blowing water into your mate's boat. Well, it's pretty funny, but you're not going to have any control. That there is this week's tip. I think it's the gaff time, Patrick. That was Red's tip for New Age Caravans. Take your caravaning experience to the next level. New Age Caravans, designed for the road ahead. The flying gaff this week goes to four men who didn't play by the rules last week when it came to uh, snapper fishing in Port Phillip Bay. Uh, They caught 119 snapper, um, which fisheries seized. Um, Just totally ridiculous. Sizes between 17 and 27. Now, clearly, we know the size limit is well above that. Um, so those blokes have the gaff this week. Call 13 fish or 13.34.74 any time to report illegal fishing activity. They've got the car seas and everything. It, they certainly did. So it's so much like... Is it worth taking? To, like, I just don't just, get it. It's just not. And for our fishery, and let's protect it. So just, that is the flying gaff. Just a quick just a quick thing. If you do catch undersized pinkies when you're whiting fishing, don't kill them or hurt them because that's our fishery in five years' times. Bang. That wraps us up for this week of Real Adventures. We're going fishing.